Hey everybody, welcome to another night of Walk It Out. My name is Gretchen Cannon. I'm the community pastor here at Grace Church and just want to welcome you today. We're going to pray and welcome the Lord. Father, I thank you for who you are and I thank you for who you created us to be. And Father, I thank you that you have given us um, the Holy Spirit inside of us to be our teacher, to be our comforter, to be everything. Um, like our empowerment. And Father, I thank you that you have also given us the ability to hear your voice and, um, and to hear the things that you want to speak to us. So Father, I just ask right now, if there's anything that you want us to hear in this moment, that we would have ears to hear and uh, willing and good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Last time we were together, we talked about eating the word. And so I'm going to recap just a little bit about that and then move forward as we go into this to um, this next part about the author's intent, like what the Lord means for us um, in his in his word and how we dive into that. So um, why we call eat the word Eat the Word is out of Ezekiel 3, as well as Jeremiah 15, and I want to read those verses for you. Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3 says, And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you, eat the scroll, and then go speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat the scroll I am giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And I love this verse. So our definition of a disciple here is somebody that abides in him and out of that walks in his way. His character and nature is formed in us. And then we go and do his works. And so right here at the beginning of Ezekiel 3, he says, Son of man, eat what is before you, like eat the scroll. And then go speak to the house of Israel. And it's a beautiful picture of how we take in um, who he is as the Lord before we go and speak anything, how we live connected to him. So I love that. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, when your words came, I ate them and they were my joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. And so last time we were talked to... Um, excuse me, last time we were together, we talked about what it, why it's named Eat the Word and kind of like a bunch of verses that go with it and the principle of it. But like what you need to know as a born again Christian, as a born again believer, like your birthright is to hear the voice of the Lord. And so as we take in his scripture and we let it become one with us by the power of the Holy Spirit, like that is, is how transformation happens when we hear the voice of the Lord and we walk out our obedience. And so sometimes scriptures can be very confusing and we can be like, how do we even get there? And so um, one of the tools that we use for abiding with sitting with the Lord that leads to hearing his voice and walking out our obedience is eat the word. And in that, it's very important that we focus on what his intent was in the scripture versus what we think about it. Like, I don't know if you've ever been asked, hey, what do you think about the scripture? 
or um, maybe you've even asked somebody, hey, here's a scripture. Will you read it and tell me what you think about it? Well, like the Lord never gave us his word, his scripture for us to give our opinion about it. Like he gave it with an intention and it's in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Like eating the word is completely spirit led and partnering with him. And so I want to talk tonight about author's intent versus reader's response. And so um, all scripture must be interpreted through the author's intent, who is the Lord and what he intended for us to hear. And so last week I gave an example about a young um, fifth grader who I was um, walking with them for several months and discipling them. And um, one of the things that she got a hold of was the scripture in Matthew 3, where it says Jesus came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. And she was not okay with Jesus baptizing her in fire <laughs> until she went and got out Bible Hub and she saw that it was a purifying fire, that it wasn't something that Jesus was going to do to burn us. And so where she was in her maturity and where she was in her spiritual walk with the Lord, if if she just took her response to that scripture, like it could have been really bad because she would have started seeing Jesus in an old covenant lens and that like, I have to do this. Jesus is going to do this or, you know, those types of things. Like she could have her own interpretation of what that scripture was. And it is not the Lord's intent. The Lord's intent in what, what they were talking about was that Jesus came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and in purifying us, cleansing us, like purifying the things out of us that we weren't designed to live in, those types of things. And so I want to give just an analogy, and um, it's kind of one of those political theories, I guess, if you want to say, but we're going to talk about the Wizard of Oz. So I don't know how many of you have read The Wizard of Oz or you've watched the movie maybe. Um, last year, my I've never read The Wizard of Oz, but last year my fifth grader was reading The Wizard of Oz and he was um, he had never seen the movie and he started talking to me about all of these things and I was like, that isn't in The Wizard of Oz. And he was like, yeah, it's right here. And so obviously books and movies are different, but um, if you've ever read it or you've you've ever watched it, you know the basic outline of the story. And so I'm going to lay that out real quick for anybody that doesn't know it. And then I'm going to kind of go into um, our response to it versus potentially the author's intent. And so um, there's, uh, there's this young girl named Dorothy that lives in Kansas and a tornado's coming and uh, she gets hit on the head and she goes into this dream or this state of unconsciousness where she has a stream and she goes to this land and um, there's good witches and bad witches and um, there's munchkins and there's all kinds of things and all she's trying to do and she's got her little dog with her all she's trying to do is get home that's all she wants to do so all along this thing there's lots of color and singing because it's a musical and 
happiness and and then there's times where there's not and there's monkeys and different things like that and um it can be even scary to some um young young kids especially but all she's trying to do is just get home and she's going on this long journey to get home and she'd ask different people and and everybody tells her you've just got to go see the wizard in the land of oz You've got to go to Emerald City here in the land of Oz, which is where she was, and you need to find the wizard. And so she goes about her journey. She's like, well, which way? And so they point her this way and they sing this song, Just Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Now, in the movie, the uh, her slippers are red. You know, I haven't asked my son in the book if they're red or not, but in the original movie, they're silver. She travels on silver in silver slippers down the yellow brick road and she's headed to see the scarecrow or she's headed down the way and she runs into a scarecrow and what does he need he needs a brain and so what Dorothy tells him is like well I've heard of this wizard in Emerald City the Wizard of Oz and he'll give you what you need he'll give you a brain so come with me so he joins her and then there's the lion that they run into, and he needs courage. He's lost his courage. And so the same thing, come with us. He'll give you courage. And then they run into the tin man, and he needs a heart. And the same thing, well, first of all, he needed some oil because he had been standing there for a long time. But he needed a heart. And so they're like, well, come and go with us, and the wizard will give you a heart. And so they all travel down this yellow brick road, and they run into good happy things and they've got joyous moments and then they run into very scary things as well but um there is a theory and they do reach the land of oz and they they find a wizard and but there is a theory there was a movement in the 1890s where farmers wanted to add gold into the silver circulation and so they wanted to do this to make it easier to borrow money. And so farmers needed to borrow money for different things. And so to make it easier, they, they definitely wanted gold into our silver market. So if you look at our coins nowadays, the majority of them, except for a penny or silver, I, knew, I know we do have some, some uh, gold quarters and things like that, but, but it, is, um, it is silver. And so... Um, that was the goal. And so one of the theories is the reason why The Wizard of Oz was written is like the author's intent is to get a political agenda across. So now, have you ever in reading the book or watching the movie, have you ever thought this is all political? My guess is no. Um, like, if somebody asks you what the Wizard of Oz is about, you may be able to recall it like I did. But you also might say things like, oh my gosh, I love the singing and the colors and the munchkins and Toto and like how exciting. And some of you may be like, I hated it. I had bad dreams. It scared me. You know, everybody's response is going to be a little bit different, right? Because it's what we filter. We filter it through our experiences. We filter it through our knowledge. We filter it through all of those different things. And so, so as we filter, for instance, this movie or this book, well, what is the author's intent really? 
And so if you look at the author's intent of, of this political theory that is out there that may have really happened, then you have to look at it through that author's intent. And so the author's intent was to, to demonstrate that silver is a better thing than gold. And so Dorothy is in silver slippers. Now she travels down a yellow brick road, which represents gold, right? And she picks up the scarecrow along the way. And the scarecrow doesn't have a brain. And, and what it was is the, um, um, the author's intent here in this theory is that um, the scarecrow represented the farmers because they were very naive because they wanted gold into the circulation of silver. They didn't have a brain, more or less. Now, they were very resourceful, but they were very naive and didn't just have the smarts enough to know that that's a bad decision. And then as she traveled, she ran into the lion, and the lion had no courage. And in this theory, the lion represented a Democrat, um, William uh, Jennings Bryan, and he had a movement going and it had grown so much that had put him in the place of, of even running for president. Like he had gotten that many um, followers and influence in our country. And so um, what they were saying, those that were in favor of silver, like this Democrat has no courage to stand up for what is right. And that is why he... Um, you know, that's why he's for gold and not for silver. And then the scarecrow um, with no heart uh, represented the industrial workers. So like the Detroit automakers and the factory workers, those that were dehumanized by factory labor in those days. Now that is the theory. And so if you look at that, you're like, huh, well, I could see how that happened, right? Well, as the story continues, they continue down the yellow brick road. And where does the yellow brick road take them? To the Emerald City. And they're going to look for the Wizard of Oz, right? And they get there and they ask to see him. And, and they're like, yes, just wait here a moment. And as they're waiting, Toto pulls back the curtain. And you see that the Wizard of Oz actually is no wizard. It is just a man behind a curtain, right? And so in this theory, the yellow brick road takes you to nowhere, to a dead end, to something that's false, to just a man behind the curtain, right? And so if, if you look at um, The Wizard of Oz through, let's just say this really was the author's intent and not a theory, because it may have been, I'm not sure. But like, let's say we watch that movie through the author's intent from day one. Aren't you going to see things in a totally different light? Well, it's the same way with scripture. And so eating the word, eating um, and reading scripture is not for our response. Like whether we like it or not. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, well, I just don't like that scripture or 
maybe you've said it. You know, well, I don't, I just don't like it. I don't agree with it. Well, like the Lord didn't write the scripture for us to say whether we like it or not, or for us to even give a view or an opinion to something, but instead his intent. And so it's something that we talked about last week, the rhema word, where the Holy Spirit embers faith inside of us as a yielded believer, right? The Greek word for the word word, like when Mary was told that she was going to have a baby and she said, let it be according to thy word. Like she knew the Lord's intent. It in birth faith inside of her as a yielded believer to walk out her assignment, the things of her. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, as, um, as we look at what it looks like going back to Ezekiel 3 and Jeremiah 15 to take in the word of God and let it be satisfying to us and nurturing, letting it fill us, becoming one with it. That is his intent for us, is for us to take the truths that are written in scripture and not for us to have head knowledge, not for us to um, be like, oh yeah, that's great, or man, that's not. But for us to sit with the author to find out what his intent was. And when we eat the word, we do have some filters that we use that assist us. And I'll talk about that next week. But assist us in just making observations. I mean, how many times have you read a scripture and you've read it and you've read it and you've read it. And then one day you read it again and it's like came to life for you. Well, the Lord is wanting you to observe something in that scripture that he wants to bring revelation to you, not for head knowledge, but for it to in birth faith inside of you about that truth and about your obedience. And so next week, we'll get more into what that looks like and um, even some examples of it. Now, there's no way for me to teach you here on, on live stream, and I, and I never would because it's a very personal experience how to eat the word. But I just want to bring some understanding to some of the language. And there are people here at Grace Church. Uh, there are people at other local churches here and, and honestly, other places, even um, in other states, that if you're listening and you're interested in knowing how to eat the word, email me. My email is Gretchen at gracechurch.community, and I will get you connected with somebody, whether it's in person or whether it's virtual, to teach you how to eat the word. So if you go back to my son's teacher friend that contacted me and said, hey, do you have any Bible studies? And I said, well, I can recommend some, but since I've learned how to eat the word, I haven't ever done any. Why? Because I've learned to not just set with the author, but to get his intent in scripture. I don't need commentaries anymore. Now, there are occasions where I go back to commentaries to understand like the culture or the history that um, was taking place back then. And man, that's, that's so good and profitable. But I don't want somebody else's rhema word. I want my manna for today. And so we want to be able, there's so many people in this area even, like that's our heart for you, for you to set with the Lord in his scripture. Don't set with the scripture apart from the Lord. 
apart from the author, but to set with him in scripture, to hear his voice, what he wants to say to you, that it will in birth faith inside of you to walk out whatever obedience it is for you, whether it's doing something or whether it's believing something. And so it's just been a tool that has been so beneficial to myself as well as many others. In fact, um, my sons were coming home um, from an event last night, and um, my husband told me <clears throat> my sixth grader wanted his phone, and he immediately started eating a scripture that the Lord had brought to his mind just right there in the car. Like, this is something that anybody can use at any time, and it's a great tool to partner with his spirit inside of you as you yield to him. So I want to close us in prayer before we end tonight. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you've given us life and godliness. I thank you that you've given us revelation and truth of who you are. And Father, um, I just ask anything that you wanted us to hear that it would permeate inside of us and that it would become real to us. And we thank you for everything that you've given us, but more importantly, who you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great weekend.